0: Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast. We bring awareness of sustainable health in the business hustle space. The Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing, business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve success and optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to nutritionist Daniela Perkin. Daniela is a qualified nutritionist with a background as a chef. Her journey to nutrition started with her own health problems, which led her to love all things nutrition, histamine, and mold. She absolutely loves watercoloring, painting, and journaling. She loves to go for bushwalks and reading. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, Daniela.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited because it's my first podcast. So I'm very honored.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. least I've got so much knowledge to share and I can't wait. I mean, who says that they love histamine and mold?
1: (laughs) I know someone who's probably gone through it. It's a very, very niche and obscure topic, I have to say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So So, did
1: you used to be a chef?
0: Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. So my first, I guess, qualification, I was a chef, you know, I didn't really know where I wanted to go in life. So I decided, well, I like cooking, let's explore that. Um, it's a very, very hard industry. So once I got into it, I was like, oh boy, I, I don't think I can do this long-term. And then I guess just through that and through my own health, you know, issues at the time, I was like, okay, what? Well, you know, nutrition. That's another thing. I love nature. I love growing food. What's in food? What's, you know, how does our body work? And just kind of evolved naturally like that. Yeah. I love that.
0: So what was your favorite meal to cook as a chef?
1: Oh, I worked predominantly, first it was Japanese restaurant. That was amazing. That was um, really fun. So anything soup-based. So miso soup was like my favorite go-to thing to make from scratch. I have to say.
0: Oh my gosh! I would absolutely love to try that. Yeah. That's amazing. I love miso soup from <laughs> scratch, not from a packet. From scratch.
1: No, that's right. So getting the dried seaweed leaves, just doing the broth, everything. Just.
0: So does it yeah, take a few hours nice. to make it?
1: Um, maybe like I would say a, a big pot. So we're talking maybe. Five liters I was making at that time, maybe like an hour or two. Yeah. Just to have everything simmering. And then, yeah, it turns out really good. Really good.
0: good quality food takes <laughs> time, 100%. Exactly. 100%. So, what I wanted to, we wanted to get to know you a little bit more before we dive deep into this amazing topic and yep. so much valuable information and the audience is going to get so much out of it. I want to find out what have been the key turning points in your journey to where you are today. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about you being a chef and then moving mm-hmm. into nutrition, but have there been any other key turning points that moved you to where you are now? Uh,
1: oh, uh, probably So going back to that whole chefing experience, I was diagnosed with um, endometriosis. So that was, I have to say, that was like one of the biggest like key turning points, you know, that I faced, you know, going through a chronic pain condition, working on your feet all day, like, you know, 12 hours. I was like, no, I can't do this. Went into nutrition. So that was like the first one. And then second turning point, I have to say, is probably what I'm going through now. The mould and the histamine (laughs) has really triggered me to kind of think, okay, reevaluate just so many aspects of your life like where are you living how is your you know work lifestyle how does it fit with your you know um your health and how flexible can it be so definitely i would say those two
0: yeah those amazing two so when when did you get diagnosed with the mold and histamine issue how did that occur like what happened
1: so i was I'm um, working with a naturopath with um, my endometriosis and it came back, well, exploring histamine because I was starting to get just out of the blue um, hay fever. I never mm. experienced hay fever in my life, but all of a sudden I was getting the itchy, you know, itchy face, nose bleeds, sinus congestion, just anxiety, can't sleep, all that sort of stuff. So we did a couple of testing, came back. I had um, high blood um, histamine levels, like through the roof. Like it was crazy. So I was like, okay, there's a histamine picture. Methylation's not working as well. Um, so we did a lot of work with that. And then it came to a point where I was getting better, but then I was still reacting to histamine. And then I started to regress and I was like, okay, well mold. So I actually did muscle testing for mold, like as a kinesiology, um, Area that she used, or technique, I should say, and yeah, it came back as mold. So that's how, and that was only last year, yeah, that I found out that I had mold issues. But it's probably been under the surface for a couple of years, to be honest with you. It's just Mm. the the ender was the bigger thing that was happening at the time,
0: yeah. It's interesting how we have you know one symptom and then it brings up so many more other things, and you're like, I don't (laughs) want to open the can of worms because all these worms are coming out, and it's kind of like exactly. Yeah, and that's why it's important to look at the the root cause of what is causing this. Oh,
1: so true. It was really funny because at the time I would, I kind of like looked at it as my body was like, okay, well, we've dealt with the endo, but, hey, I kind of have this hiding in the corner <laughs> that I've been suppressing for a couple, you know, a couple of years. Here's mold. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Just when you get rid of one thing, something else, you know, pops its head out of, out of the ground. So,
0: yeah, yeah um, so that was
1: quite interesting.
0: Yeah, that is definitely interesting. So, look, here on the podcast we talk a lot about success and how it means different yeah. to different people and how it means different to ourselves a few years ago to now. So I wanted to find out before we go into a bit deeper about the topic is I want to find out what does success look like for Daniela right now? Mm,
1: so I've had a big think about this one because I used to put success with money so I was like you know once I get you know the stable job the middle income wage the nine to five I'll be set I'll be you know happy that's my success but now I'm like no way like if I can wake up and I'm happy to do what I'm doing you know I'm living abundantly through you know money but also your emotional happiness um you just you just love what you're doing I'm like that to me is success at the moment
0: yeah (laughs) I love that
1: yeah, just and
0: it would have activities. changed through the years.
1: Oh, it definitely has, it's changed multiple times. <laughs> definitely, like when I was a chef, I was dying for that nine to five, and then when I got into that nine to five, I was like, Oh, actually, this is quite bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I hate it. it's very, um, I don't know, very chained.
0: <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's you know, it's not the nicest feeling to feel stuck and chained up, Yay. like you said. And then definitely. it affects your emotional health, which affects your health and disease-causing and so forth.
1: That's right, exactly. It just You seem to just halt in progress, whether it's health-wise, emotional-wise, you just feel like you're just stuck in all yeah. aspects.
0: So, yeah. 100%, 100%. Well, thanks for sharing with us your, you know, your experience with, you know, mould, histamine, health issues, being a chef and so oh. forth. And let's get into today's topic, which is, is histamine intolerance the cause of your mysterious health issues? Mm. Because there's so many individuals out there who may have mysterious health issues. And what I mean by that is they say, I've got this, this, they go to the doctor and the doctor goes, no, kind of you're making all this up. And then they Mm. feel like they are making it up, but they may not actually be. And he actually may be a histamine intolerance. So let's start off with the 101 on histamines. What are histamines?
1: Yeah, so I guess histamine. everyone knows that they're, you know, in related to hay fever. So they're things that when you breathe in pollen, if you have, you know, obviously suffer from hay fever, you breathe in the pollen, it gives you those allergy symptoms. But histamines actually play a really important role in the body. So first and foremost, they're a neurotransmitter. So they're keeping us, you know, awake, alert. They give us like cognitive function, um, which is why when people take, say, like a, Benadryl PM, you absolutely zonk out because this has that antihistamine um, action in there that just, you know, stops all the histamine release and it just, you know, crashes you. So we do need it for that sleep-wake cycle. Um, it's help, helpful for like smooth, <laughs> smooth muscle contraction, um, regulating blood pressure. But then on the other aspect, it's a um, signaling molecule. So it gets released when there's some sort of like a biotoxin in our body so what what we'll get into mold so you know it detects something in our blood like pollen mold and says hey you know immune system come over here we need to sort this out um so yeah so that's pretty much what histamine is doing in our body and i guess like we've got histamine receptors kind of everywhere so there's four like class or four groups of histamine receptors. So we've got the H1, which that's where our smooth muscle, or that's where they are in our smooth muscle tissue. So blood vessels, skin, your typical hay fever um, symptoms. And then you've got a second group, which are all in the intestinal tract. Um, They're up along the vagus nerve. So could, you know, get diarrhea symptoms, getting a bit of anxiety. Um, There's more in the central nervous system. So that's, you know, We have histamines interfering with sleep and behaviour. And then the last one, we've got one, you know, histamine receptors in our bone marrow, our large intestines and white blood cells. So that's where we're kind of getting that immune response and that inflammatory response. So when you look at where histamine receptors are in our body, then you can kind of understand it's like, well, you know, the symptom picture is massive. Like you can have someone walk in, you know, um, experiencing 10 symptoms from different areas of our body. And then a second person will walk in still suffering from histamine intolerance, but 10 totally different symptoms altogether. So, yeah, and I think that's why it can be so hard to detect. And people just, you know, go through this year after year. And it's like, well, you know, they might get told, oh, your insomnia is because, I don't know, you're stressed. Your anxiety is because of your lifestyle, your are um, you know, so so different things I guess like symptom-wise can just be hidden and masked or not, you know, not be taken seriously
0: yeah I love that you went into detail about how the H1, H2 H3 they're found in H4 are found in different aspects of our yeah. body. And then like you said, the symptom picture is just diverse dramatically from you know uh, smooth smooth muscle tissue issues to nervous t- nervous system hmm. issues and so forth. So someone listening to this now, what are some common signs and symptoms of histamine intolerance that they may be experiencing?
1: Yeah, so I guess right off the bat, um, looking at your, your typical hay fever symptoms that are not associated with the pollen season. So if you're still getting the itchy nose, the um, scratchy, itchy throat, uh, maybe skin rashes that's not, you know, summer, spring, that could be a really good indicator. But then, you know, looking at as well, anxiety. And in women, like pretty severe menstrual cramps, Um you know, maybe like insomnia as well. So, and just constantly getting sick. So if someone's like, you know, constantly run down with a cold, flu, maybe even like more commonly chest infections, because we do have histamine receptors in our like bronchial tract. Um, So definitely a lot to do with like chest conditions as well.
0: Yeah, so that's a wide range of signs and symptoms right there, from insomnia yeah. to skin issues to, you yeah. know, this and that. So this is why this individual may go to the doctor and they'd just be mystery sign and symptoms.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And they probably have blood work done, um, you know, they're like, oh, but your iron level's fine, so don't know where maybe you're not sleeping enough. Mm. Um, you know, so they're just kind of left with, okay, well, my blood works fine, but I'm still having all these crazy symptoms.
0: Yeah. And they're not making yes. it up, it's real.
1: Exactly. And these are real symptoms. And, you know, you can go from say, starting with one or two symptoms, then years later, you have all these myriad of symptoms that just slowly creep up on you. So, and that's yeah. probably another reason why it can kind of um just takes so long to diagnose as well
0: 100 so how does gut health influence histamines in particular the connection between histamine intolerance and leaky gut um how 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 does that link together
1: yeah so when we're looking at leaky gut that's obviously you know inflammation in our intestinal tract and that can be from antibiotic use um stress like chronic stress Uh, like poor diet. So there's a few things that can contribute to that. And what happens is when we don't have a really nice, healthy, intact, um, you know, intestinal tract, we don't have um, enough of this enzyme called Dow that's being produced. And this enzyme is the one that's responsible for breaking down histamines, um, predominantly that we eat. So histamines that land in our gut, um, we need that Dow to to break it down. So when we don't have that, we've got these histamines that can be recirculated back into the bloodstream. Another way is with leaky gut, there's often dysbiosis. So with dysbiosis, we've got bacteria. And what bacteria do is that they break down histidine to form histamines. (laughs) So they're kind of working in that fermentation process. So again, you kind of um, just, yeah, your body's like unable to break down the histamine it might be making histamine from the amino acids that we're eating, and you kind of um, just yeah being exposed to like more histamine in that sense. Yeah.
0: So does the gut bacteria assist with the histamine breakdown?
1: Uh, oh, so when we have the dysbiosis and it's the more the bad bacteria, it yeah. ferments, yeah, to create more histamine.
0: Okay. That wow. That's that's such a good link because a lot of people wouldn't know that, wouldn't be aware that their gut can actually yeah. be causing more histamines and causing all of these issues. So if their gut health is not on track, on on point, yeah. they might have that itchy skin, that insomnia, and so forth.
1: Exactly. And to be honest, and and addressing your gut, that's looking at a root cause. So you're kind of hitting the nail on the head with that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And you did mention histamine with foods. Are you able to touch upon that? Like, what are some foods and drinks that may be high in histamines? Oh, yeah. And how does it actually affect our health? Because, yes, you spoke yeah. about those receptors that, you know, histamine receptors that are found, but histamine, we can get it through our food.
1: That's right. So when I first went on the low histamine diet, I wanted to cry because it's like so I'm from you know a European background and it's literally all the foods that are traditionally European. Like your antipasto plate goes out the window, <laughs> so you're looking at like your salami, so anything, anything aged, cured, preserved. So all your smoked meats, ham, salami gone. Um, your like olives. Um, what else? like gherkins, so anything preserved in a vinegar. Um, that's a high histamine food. We're looking at alcohol, peanuts, um, wheat and then from fruit and veggies it's things like avocados, bananas, uh, mangoes, broccoli, spinach. It, the list is massive. it's honestly it's so big so that's that's a few different ones um carob as well so i have heard people mention chocolate i noticed i didn't have much of a reaction with chocolate but with carob i did um and like your kefi sauerkraut um yeah
0: foods that you're mentioning yeah. Most of them are kind of like superfoods that people yes. are told to eat more of, like the sauerkraut, the kefir, you know, the olives yeah. um, and so forth, like, you know, yeah. sa- you know, fermented stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, you should put more of this in your diet mm. and you think you're eating the right thing by making yourself, let's say, an avocado, banana, mango smoothie in the morning. Yes. That may be setting you off dramatically with what you're saying because the histamine in your body then just rises dramatically.
1: It does. And, um, yeah, so that's, I guess, the issue with those more fad diets. Like everyone, you know, a couple of years ago went on the whole kefir and um, kombucha craze, and I was, like, thinking, well, it's not for everyone. So um, definitely can be contributing to your symptoms. And another thing that's interesting about histamines is depending on where you are in your treatment. So if you're just figuring out you're really reactive, your histamine bucket so you know how many how much histamine you can um tolerate before you get really insane symptoms might be really little so um you might have to be on a really strict diet whereas someone who is a little bit further down the track in their um treatment they might not be as reactive you know they might be able to have their you know eggs with sauteed spinach for breakfast an avocado you know with lunch and then by dinner time they might be reacting. So I guess that's that's kind of like the, the good thing about going on a, like a low-histamine diet. You can eventually gauge how much you can tolerate. So yeah. it's not a forever diet. It's definitely not a forever diet.
0: And it's different for up. everyone, like he says. So, some individuals yeah. they listening to this might be like, oh, I might have anxiety. But it'd be mm. interesting for them to know when they have that avocado or the banana or the sauerkraut, does the anxiety get worse? Does it get better? Yeah. Does it actually affect it? But that takes a lot of self awareness to go through that.
1: It definitely does. And um, I guess that's like a bit of a learning game. You do. You can't figure it out for yourself. You know, it's just a bit of a trial and error. Um, yeah. just through so, experience.
0: So you said you went on to the antihistamine diet. What what is the antihistamine diet in particular?
1: Yeah, so it's basically just cutting out and eliminating those high histamine foods that we were just talking about. And um, so just eliminating that so you stop being so, you know, reactive. It's it's about, about symptom control. And just to help reduce that histamine load that our bodies, um, I guess, carrying in order to just speed up the, you know, just um, speeding up how fast you can get better.
0: Yeah, awesome. And, and so that so the antihistamine diet is not a forever diet, is that right? That's what no, you said. Yeah,
1: definitely not. So it's a very restrictive diet if you were to stick with it, and anyway, because. Um, It also includes um, being mindful of leftovers. I forgot to mention, so leftover foods, which is a big one. And you can't be on this type of diet forever. It'll drive you nuts. Like I know I was like, what, I can't eat, you know, a piece of salami ever in my life Like, (laughs) or have a kombucha. So it's just there to help with that symptom management while you're Getting to those root causes, so that you know, further down the track, you can introduce those foods really successfully, and maybe just see, okay, I'm still reacting to alcohol. That's fine, but I can have my avocado. I can have my, um, you know, mangoes, broccoli, spinach. Um, oh, dried chili. That's another one.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, eating out on that diet would be absolutely impossible oh, in a way. It
1: was <laughs> so hard. It just so. I remember having to order pizza, and I was like, okay, gluten free base. Can't have tomato base. Just, <laughs> just garlic butter and a bit of cheese sometimes, or yeah. chicken. So it's really hard. Yeah, a lot of yeah. eating in.
0: Yeah, that that's crazy. <laughs> but at least then you're able to get to the root cause of it and see what food actually. Mm. Food. So, is, is it is it staged? Like, is there stages where you introduce and see how you go? Or
1: you can definitely do that. Um, that's how I did it. So, the couple of really high triggering foods like alcohol, paprika, dried chili, and spinach—they were the ones that I probably introduced last, and even now, not at all. So, I guess it's working with the practitioner to really have a good plan in place and be like okay start strict and then they can guide you with what's not as triggering to kind of lead you there see how you feel um and then keep going from there so it's a bit hard to navigate if you're doing it by yourself but you can um work with a practitioner and there's some pretty good lists as well like
0: yeah high low
1: and um medium
0: Yeah, there's some absolutely amazing lists out there, and I might put some in the show notes um, for the audience to have a look at, and they're going to be surprised, like, what? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a massive list.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I also wanted to know – histamines, mold, right? So what's the link between the two? Because you didn't mention that at the start that you were exposed to mold and histamines and so forth, and it may be part of the mystery Mm. illness that the audience may have or may have those signs and symptoms. So what is the link between the two?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess leading into mold, like with my experience was, so I did all the right things. I was on that low histamine diet. I was working on my gut methylation is another key issue with um metabolizing histamines that's another area to look at and I was like okay this is working fine I was getting better but then I started triggering with histamines so mold is kind of an interesting um area to look at because I guess when you're looking at someone who's suffering from mold they're chronically inflamed so that immune system is already you know triggering um and with that you know with um, an activated immune system, you have mast cell activation. So mast cells, again, they're releasing histamines, in, you know, increasing your histamine load. So as the person's eating, they're like, wow, I'm still really, you know, really sensitive. that has got, you know, my methylation's fine, gut's fine, you know, potentially looking at mould as an issue. And again, when we think about histamine as a signalling molecule, it's being released because there's biotoxins in the bloodstream that need to be metabolized. The immune system has to be take you know has to take care of that. Um, so histamine's released to then alert the immune system. Hey, we've got these biotoxins. You need to you know you need to take care of this. So again, we're just having all this histamine being released along with the you know the mold spores and the mycotoxins, which are causing a whole other myriad of symptoms. So I guess that's kind of the connection there with that inflammatory response triggering muscle activation and then the histamines being released because there are biotoxins in the blood that need to be taken care of
0: yeah that's crazy so an individual who topic. yeah it's a huge topic so individual who <laughs> may have been exposed to mold so you're saying that they're inflammatory all over, which causes mast cell activation, which then causes yeah. an increase of histamines, which then can cause all those signs and symptoms that we spoke about of having high histamine diet. So, you sorry, high histamines in your in your blood. Yeah. So the thing is, is you may actually be eating a low histamine diet, but if you're exposed to mold, it, it kind of does the same thing. Is that right? It,
1: it, exactly right. And it de- it depends on how much mold you're being exposed mm. to. Is the individual able to clear out mold effectively? Because um so it, in this case, the person would definitely have issues with mold clearance as well. So they'll have a histamine issue and definitely mold. and it could be genetics, or it could just be that they're in a really moldy house without realizing. Um, so, yeah, so it's just and you and you wind up being in a bit of like an inflammatory cytokine storm. Mm. and just everything is just inflamed it's just everything's just triggering um Altogether.
0: Yeah, and 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 I guess this is why, like, we keep going back to these individuals have these mystery mm. signs and symptoms, and they're just not feeling themselves. And it's like, That's well, right. what happened when you started not feeling yourself? Did you move houses? Did you move into a new? Did yeah. you buy a car? A second-hand car that has mold. Did you? Are you? Did you start a new workplace somewhere where it's moldy? Were you exposed mm. to moldy foods? Even like, there's so many things yes. to take into consideration, isn't there?
1: Exactly. And then obviously in in this instance, the mould is another root cause. So when you get to the, you know, the (laughs) issue, can you hear my dogs? Yeah, they're excited. (laughs) They agree. Uh, They agree. (laughs) Um, Oh, now I lost my train of thought.
0: (laughs) No, we're just saying like the mould is like the root cause of the issues for some of these individuals.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the mould Um, In this instance, you have to treat the mold, whether it's it's, if it has to be a remediation. I've I've tried to out supplement mold. It doesn't work. (laughs) Mm. So definitely remediating the environment or just getting out of the environment. Then histamine issues will go away. Well, most likely they will um, go away. Yeah.
0: it's, it's so interesting that you spoke, that we, you know, mentioned this, the link between the histamines and mold, because not a lot of people make that link and not a lot of people understand it. So I'm glad that you're able to educate the audience so they actually know mm. now the simple steps of how mold can activate their histamines or increase the Yeah.
1: Histamine. And I guess a big red flag would be if you're doing everything right with the histamines and you just you had a small window of feeling better and then for some reason you've had regression,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you know that there's something still missing. And mould mold is one thing to look at and there are a couple of other, like, conditions as well that can trigger um, histamine. But, yeah, but definitely environmentally, um, mold's a big one. I mean, 50% of houses in Australia are water damaged and I think genetically people who are, um, I guess, genetically predisposed to not being able to break down mould, that floats between about 22 25%, I believe. So it's, it's one to really look at as
0: a serious condition. A 100%, definitely. Yeah. So what what is the usual treatment for someone with histamine intolerance? I mean, we've spoken about the diet. But yeah. is there anything else that, like, you know, someone talks to a healthcare professional and they go, look, you have histamine intolerance,
1: mm-hmm. and they're just
0: like, well, I don't even know what that means, but okay. But what is the usual yeah. treatment for them? Yeah.
1: I guess the first port of call would be, yep, just cut out the histamines from the diet and then going on like a quercetin and a bromelain as a supplement. So these, so the bromelain will have that anti-inflammatory action, so helping with that, all that inflammation. Um, and then the quercetin is going to help stabilize mast cells just so they're not degrading at a fast rate to um, release histamines. So that's kind of looking at your symptom control. And then long-term, for long-term relief, definitely you have to look at, well, what are my gut issues? Do I have any sort of dysbiosis, gut infection, SIBO, and working with that? So there's a whole range of, you know, treatments that you can do for that. So probiotics, prebiotics, um, and like glutamine, all that. And then definitely, again, looking at your methylation. So, you know, do we have healthy, yep, just healthy methylation? So looking at your... B twelve, B six. Are we making enough glutathione? Are we? Do we have low levels of homocysteine? And just looking at the liver in that way.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. So there's a lot that individuals will have to do if they've got some histamine intolerances,
1: unfortunately.
0: <laughs> but is there any? Do you? Is there any tests? or anything mm. that can determine that someone may be histamine intolerant? I mean, look, the audience might yeah. be listening and might be like, oh, this might sound like me, but what is the next step? Like, what can they do?
1: Yeah, so there's not there's not a whole range of specific testing out there. You can get your histamine levels checked. I don't know about going through a GP, but you could definitely ask a GP. It is a functional um, test, so generally like a naturopath, nutritionist, um, LA health physician will be open to that. And that will give you a clear indication of, okay, what's histamine levels like in our blood. Um, that's pretty much the only specific test. And then outside of that would be just non-specific testing, like looking at your gut microbiome, doing a mapping with that. Um, and again, looking at that methylation. So unfortunately it does seem to be only histamine levels.
0: Yeah. Um, are you, you able to are you it. able to go a bit into um, methylation and histamines? I mean, you've spoken a bit about a bit a little bit about it, but is there what is the key link between yeah. the methylation and the histamine?
1: Yeah, so um along with Dow, there's another enzyme that we need to break down histamine. And this is more involved in our liver and also along our central nervous system. And it's called HNMT. So histamine and oh, methyl transferase.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> I always get confused with those names, I know.
1: <laughs> H-N- HNMT, <laughs> <Not> sure. <laughs> um, so, and this is, um, so yeah, like I said, it's made in the liver, Um and we do need a healthy amount of like SAMI and just that whole like methionine SAMI picture to work correctly. So that that goes very in It's a very interesting route methylation. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting because if your methylation cycle is not running well, like you said, it can lead to high histamines for individuals. Mm. So there's a number of things these individuals need to, I guess, investigate, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. So, and that's why, once again, it can just take so long to kind of get diagnosed because it's just um, everything just seems so nondescript sometimes, just with the symptoms and the testing. So, but if you find definitely working with a healthcare practitioner who might be um, more open to looking at histamines or um, they understand it a bit better will definitely make the process. Um, a lot
0: easier to uncover. Yeah and like you said they can do that test um, to see the histamines mm. in the body at the time. they can do the GI gut map um, yeah. to see what's happening there because you also mentioned that the gut bacteria assists with all that and then also looking at like the MTFHR, like the genetics if they want mm. to. So there's a number of ways I mean it'll take probably a few months to actually determine to see what's happening for these individuals.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I guess in the meantime, uh, if they do su- uh, suspect it, just try going on a low-histamine diet and see yeah. if it works. That's probably the quick, well, not the quickest way, but the easiest thing that you can do for yourself um, at the time.
0: Yeah, it's so. probably it's, it's daunting for a lot of people to go. I on know. That,
1: isn't it? <laughs> Well, I think when I started, I didn't even go hard at it. I just was like, oh, I can only handle cutting out so many things. And then eventually I was like, no, I have to do it. (laughs) I think it took me a couple of weeks to get my my head around it. So, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So we spoke about going back to the treatment that you said, you mentioned quercetin and what was the other one?
1: Oh, bromelain. So usually you can find them together in a supplement. So they usually go hand in hand. They and, work really well synergistically.
0: Yeah, and how do they help with um, histamine intolerance?
1: Yeah, so the quinine is the main one. So that's stabilising mast cells. So it's not so the mast cells aren't degranulating and releasing that histamine. Hmm. Um, and then the bromelain's going in and helping with reducing that inflammation. So that's really going to help when you have those inflamed sinuses, your headaches, and you're just feeling. It's really, you know, irritated and just the itchy throat and all that. So it's yeah. going to help um, remediate that.
0: Yeah, and they're absolutely systems. beautiful. And like you said, they usually come together mm. and they work together yeah. amazingly in the body. And there's so many individuals have had amazing support and relief from their symptoms.
1: Yes. Yeah, they do work really well. So
0: beautiful. And can you find them in food anywhere? Or would, you, would you get them kind of more out of a supplement uh, form? you need a higher level
1: they definitely are in foods so mostly like your citrus based i'm just trying to think i think oh i can't remember where else tomatoes i'm pretty sure but yeah you wouldn't get a therapeutic dose yeah so i'll go straight to the supplement
0: yeah 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 100% i couldn't agree more with you on that one yeah but yeah you can get all them out of foods like you said and Bromelin pineapple that's what yes, comes to pineapple. mind for me good definitely. old pineapple
1: <laughs> yeah which i'm pretty sure that funnily enough i'm pretty sure that falls under the medium to low histamine
0: oh there you go isn't that interesting <laughs> there you go that's so, so interesting
1: you know it's kind of like catch 22 there but you know yeah. definitely as a supplement it works brilliantly
0: yeah a hundred percent so What would you say, now that I've mentioned some of these supplements and so forth, but what would you say would be some practical tips for the audience to incorporate to assist them if they do have histamine intolerances?
1: Yeah, and it just comes down to the diet, honestly. When you're Mm. first starting out, it's definitely looking at your foods. And one of the most key things is keeping everything fresh, so just Limiting your leftovers, trying to find you know fresh veggies. Um, don't let you know the fruits overripe. They're probably the simplest and easiest things that you can implement pretty much straight away.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, that diet that we spoke about. And I know the one thing that um, has histamine, but also assists with releasing the histamine is alcohol. A lot of individuals. That's sometimes it'd be hard to give up that weekend. Mm. But that is, from what I've seen, one of the biggest causes of these histamine intolerance issues.
1: Definitely is not only because it's a high histamine, well, I guess drink, but it's also causing that inflammation in the gut as well. So you're kind of giving yourself those histamines, and then at the same time, you're kind of undoing, you know, all your gut work. So you know you don't have that enzyme being released to help break it down
0: yeah yeah that's a great link that's an absolutely great mm. link that you're doing there i mean yeah so if you know you have these symptoms that are just mystery symptoms it's kind of like okay well if we can reduce the alcohol eliminate the alcohol which is high high histamines and any mm. of the other foods that may be high histamines and then it's kind of getting a bit better it's like oh maybe maybe that yeah. is the issue there
1: exactly and often the case you know that's what happens and then you go oh, okay maybe Maybe I'm imagining I'm getting better and you have a sip of alcohol and you're like, oh shit, actually, (laughs) why is my nose itchy? It's like, okay, you know what? That's the, that's this, you know, consolidation there that you're on the right track.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Beautiful. So what, what has helped you mainly, um, what is the few things that have helped you mainly with your histamine and intolerances? Besides taking on the diet, I believe.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was my lifesaver for such a long time. I was so, oh, I was so. What so um, you have
0: what signs and symptoms did you have yourself?
1: So mine was um, it was kind of tied in with the mold, but it was yeah. anxiety, the itchy nose, my sinuses were so inflamed, and I'm I'm talking about day in, day out. Sinus pressure like you wouldn't believe. Nothing was relieving it. Headaches, headaches that would last days. Um, And I was, you know, at a point where taking, you know, Neuromol sometimes didn't even cut it. So symptoms can be just that severe. Um, I guess my endometriosis got better as the histamines, um, my histamine level got better as well. So that was one of my major symptoms and just insane fatigue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: Sleeping so many hours a night. Yeah. And a lot of people listening will just be like, that's exactly how I'm feeling right now. Mm. So what would you, what, without giving them advice, what would be like, would you tell them is the first thing that they should do? I know you said, so would it be, would it be to try and eliminate that food with the diet? Would it be kind of to get tested, to see the histamine? Would it be to investigate with a practitioner? What do you think would be a good starting Mm. point from them? Because that's what they're looking for, a starting point.
1: Yeah. I would, honestly, I would start with a practitioner because sometimes doing things on your own, it just can get really confusing. Um, And whereas when you work with a practitioner, you're kind of getting that clear guidance and that weight lifted off your shoulders that, you know, you're getting help. Um, and you have a path, a plan, and you don't have to kind of figure it out yourself. So I would definitely go down that route, and then you'll be able to do the functional testing, um, the appropriate ones as well, not just like your standard, you know, full blood count that probably won't show much, and the doctor says you're fine. <laughs> um, definitely go. I would, yeah, go down it like a practitioner and get the proper functional testing done.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's an absolutely great, great starting point because mm. then you're working with someone who understands the complex systems of histamines and so forth. It's not the exactly. most, um, it's not the most energetic topic to talk about, but it is definitely, no. <laughs> but it is definitely one that needs to be spoken about, like about this mystery. Mm mystery um issues that people have so i'm so glad that we spoke about it today and i'm so glad that you you know you gave your information input into this so to finish off i ask all my guests as this is the natural health podcast what is your best capped natural health hack that you may do every day we want to share with us
1: um i was having to think about this <laughs> i couldn't pinpoint one down but a really good tip that I was told by a naturopath. So I used to get a lot of um, like, th- like throat infections. So I would have my lymph nodes, my sore throat constantly, especially throughout winter. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And she gave me this one tip. It was so simple. So it's literally just like half a glass of warm water, um, a pinch of pink salt and two drops of tea tree and you gargle it. And I kid you not, like your sore throat would be gone. And any kind of like raised lymph nodes, gone. it saved me so many times from having a full-blown throat infection and I'll be having the worst head cold. So that was like...
0: That is amazing. That's an absolutely amazing health hack. And you've got experience with it yourself and you're like, yeah. Yeah,
1: it works. (laughs) It definitely works.
0: That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Look, Daniela, is there anything else that you want to say to the audience that may have histamine intolerances or mould issues or anything along those lines um, that you wish to say to them before we close off the podcast?
1: Yeah, well, I I just want to, you know, say that even when, you know, you're told that your blood works fine, we can't find anything wrong, if you're still feeling like there's something wrong, you know, you're not like your usual self, maybe, you know, this fatigue, you know, it's just not you just definitely explore it. I would, you know, 100% just find whatever answers you need and don't stop until you get them really because it's no fun living with like, you know, these long-term chronic illnesses that just keep getting worse and worse.
0: Yeah, well said. I agree with you 100%. Get to the bottom of it. Get to the root cause. And, you know, that healthy avocado may actually be doing harm to you.
1: (laughs) I know. All that's crowd and kombucha that yeah. everyone jumped on it's not for everyone unfortunately
0: 100 yeah. 100 it's not for anyone well thank you so much for joining us if anyone wants to get in touch with you where can they get in touch with you mainly
1: yeah so i'm mostly at the moment on instagram so it's health and wellness underscore by daniela um so i'm doing just post every now and again, a lot to do with my journey with mold if anyone's interested. And then, you know, I definitely want to get like a website up and running very soon to Beautiful. do blog
0: posts. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'll put all that details in the show notes below so they're able to access you and add you on Instagram and check out your amazing content. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Natural Heart Podcast, Daniela. I really appreciate your time and the explain to us what histamines are, what it can cause, what signs and symptoms it can do, the connection with MTFHR, uh, mold and histamines and so forth. I love that, that you brought it all together and then, you know, gave us some absolutely amazing practical tips and supplements and so forth that may be able to assist so thank you thank you so much for joining us and i thank you for your time
1: that's all right thank you so much for having me
0: you're most welcome thank you for joining us at the natural podcast i remember the missing link between failure and success is your health